Welcome to the Jameson Files. I'm your host, Carrie Weber. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this is your first Jameson Files to listen to or to watch, welcome to the Jameson Files community. Uh, if you are a continuous viewer and have followed us along, I do hope that you have subscribed to follow uh, the Jameson Files podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. That's iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And it would mean so much to us if you would share that with others and help spread the word and help to build our community. Uh, you may be watching us live on Facebook. So if so, welcome. Thank you for taking the time to be with us live. Or you may be watching this on social media, on Facebook or YouTube at a later time. Just know that you can find our Jameson Files episodes wherever you like to watch or listen and learn. And that's the point. We want you to share with us uh, at podcast.jmsn.com, any topics, any questions, any guests that you'd love to see in the future. We're all about providing content, education, resources, and thought-provoking conversations to help you grow and develop in your dental journey. So thanks for being with us. Today, we have a fantastic guest, and I'm thrilled that she's joining me. This is one of my teammates, Becky Spear. Becky is one of Jameson's incredible business and clinical advisors and has been with us for well over a decade now, Becky. So <laughs> we are just thrilled that you could be with us today. Um, we're, a, we're both in Oklahoma, but we're in separate cities. So Becky, thank you for being with me. My pleasure. Thanks, Carrie, for having me. And Becky's with us today because Becky is not only a Jameson advisor, but Becky's a dental hygienist. And prior to joining the Jameson team and helping doctors and teams across the country um, with their business systems and their hygiene systems, she was practicing hygiene in Oklahoma. And not only that, but was practicing hygiene in a dental practice that worked with Jameson. So the systems, Becky, that you teach across the country every day were systems that you were, were living as a dental hygienist in your previous practice. Tell me a little bit about what that was like and what, what led you to where you are today. It's always interesting the journey we make to get to where we are. You know, when you look back and um, see where you've been and how you've come to be where you are now. And uh, I worked in the practice, the Jameson practice for 16 years, and we were Jameson clients the entire time. Um, absolutely loved it. I had only been out of school a year when I started working for the practice that was a Jameson client. And I can tell you, Carrie, the verbal skills to be such a young hygienist were what I really embraced uh, probably more than anything. You know, in school, we're not taught how to overcome objections, create need and urgency. And so when you go into private practice, you just assume everybody's going to say yes to the needed treatment because that's what they did in hygiene school. And it's not quite like that, as we all know. So I so appreciated the verbal skills and the way I've learned to speak with my patients, and which has allowed me to build lasting relationships which is a win-win for the patient, the education they get and the elevation of their dental IQ, which also keeps them healthier because of the trust and uh, and the openness and trust to accept the treatment that's recommended. That, that's so a perfect lead-in, yeah. yeah, that's a perfect lead-in, Becky. Um, 
we what I want to talk about with you today is the hygienist role in treatment acceptance and helping to educate patients and support diagnosed treatment uh, that are that the doctors are recommending. And for you, I think you know not only have you lived that, but you teach that on a regular basis. So I'd love to know from your perspective the verbal skills, obviously, but you know we at Jameson are wanting to help. Um, practices get more acceptance in, in, in terms of diagnosed and needed treatment for their patients. And we want to see so much of that coming from the hygiene uh, chairs. And uh, because you all are truly the front lines of that patient relationship. And so uh, when it comes to the hygienist role in case acceptance, what are some areas that you find on a regular basis that practices could really benefit from taking a look at working on or refining, especially our hygienists in terms of building up and skills and efforts to help educate and motivate more patients to say yes to treatment they want or need? Well, I think that's a great question. And I think one of the first things they have to look at is the amount of time they're allowing their hygienists with every patient. Um, we know that it takes time to build that relationship. And so when it comes to uh, recommending treatment and gaining trust from patients, we have to know that we have the time allowed in the schedule. And as I know from being in so many practices, the shorter those appointments are, all you can leave out of an appointment is patient education. I mean, you have to take radiographs, you have to do photos, you have to do the prophylactic part of the appointment. So I think first and foremost, we have to make sure that we are giving our hygienists the amount of time they need to do just that. I, you know, and I, I hear that, and I feel like I'm hearing it more and more um, of a pushback in terms of they're either they're either all on board for giving that time, and they're just like yes, yes, or there's um, concern to that because of what what an what how maybe they've previously been meeting production goals or whatever mm -hmm. the case may be. How how can we help those that may be like how are we ever going to give them more time and what would be the value in that? What would you say to practices that are struggling with that decision? Well, many times what I do is I start asking questions, um, mainly what are the procedures or the different things that's performed by your hygienist with every patient every time? Because um, we have a list a mile long, if you will, of what we want hygienists to do during a hygiene appointment and many of the things that are being left out is the intense patient education the intraoral photos which are key um, we know a picture's worth a thousand words a patient really needs to see what it looks like in their mouth uh, we also need to make sure that we have had a time to you know also use the visual and kinesthetic skills you know i want to show them what a partial looks like i want to show them what a bridge looks like so we have to be given the time to educate the patients. And if doctors are not having hygienists that are taking the intraoral photos and spending the time educating the patient on what they see could be needed treatment, when the doctor arrives into the treatment room, then the doctor is having to spend more time in that treatment room with that patient, which is taking away from uh, the patient that is in his treatment room. That's, that's such a good point that it not only, you know, I feel like we, we teach this over and over again, the, the, the power of the visual aspect of patient education. 
um, how we know how the large majority of society, you know, learns is visually. And that is such a powerful educational tool. And it's also a resource for along the way to help, you know, celebrate these great decisions that patients are making, helping them see the progress that they're making. But also, it, it actually becomes a time saver, as you said, when we've preheated those patients and we've prepared those patients to a larger degree before the doctor even steps in for his or her evaluation. I think that's a really great point uh, that, um, number one, if we're not taking the time to, to do those necessary uh, photographs and have those conversations that we're doing a disservice in terms of educating the patients and helping them process that information and understand and build trust in the diagnosis. And also, you may be taking more time in the long run, um, keeping your doctors away from their restorative schedules uh, to do more of that education on their own. So that's a really great point. Uh, what else do you see, Becky? What are some other areas in terms of um, educating, supporting diagnosed treatment, or really being that primary educator that hygienists may not be um, taking to that level that, that would be the most helpful? Well, I think that you have to be sure that your hygienists are comfortable with talking about possible treatment. Um, my younger hygienists, literally out of school a year or so, are a little more nervous with talking about needed treatment. They haven't done it before. They're not sure what the doctor is going to recommend. And so when we start teaching them to take the intraoral photos, talk about the fracture that they see in the tooth, um, and the doctor may be talking with you about a new filling or possibly a crown, you know, when you're really not sure how your doctor diagnoses. Um, I think that that part is so important. The doctors have to be taught how to respond to that when they come into the room. Because for a young hygienist that's not comfortable talking about needed treatment, but they're starting to learn that, you have to make sure that you don't come in and squash everything your hygienist said. So it is so important. But if you come in and you don't agree, maybe with the treatment that she was preheating, if you will, for, um, to say, you know, I can see why you talked about a crown here, and then go into why it's okay to do this other treatment. So you're not only educating the patient, you're also educating your hygienist. And mm -hmm. so I think that is key when it comes to making sure that we're getting the doctor and the hygienist to partner together, and it's not reducing trust or value in that hygienist, um, um, in their, in their, um, professionalism and ability, you know, to work with that patient in their eyes. So supporting each other all the way around in terms of it's really, it's mm -hmm. the hygienist verbal skills, it's the doctor's verbal skills, it's how we communicate with each other in the room, in the presence of the patient all the way around can really make a difference right. in that trust building. And it also, leveraging the, the knowledge and, and that patient's perception mm -hmm. of each member's knowledge of what they're bringing to the table. What are some ways that, you know, I like that because you and I were talking about how it's really important for hygienists to understand their doctor's philosophy and to understand and be aligned with how they provide treatment. What are some ways that you see in terms of best practices or that you recommend that helps doctors and hygienists really get on the same page um, as quickly as possible so that they're more effective in that team approach with the patients? 
Well, there are a couple things they can do to kind of speed up that learning process. One is they can start talking about cases. The doctors hopefully have intraoral photos of all their cases. So they could simply sit down with the hygienist and start talking about with the visual um, backdrop of the photo on a screen and not necessarily having to have the patient in the chair at that time. Uh, we know we learn very well by listening to the doctor when he's in our room, when he's diagnosing the needed treatment, talking about the way he's going to do it, how much time it's going to take. Obviously, as hygienists, we're just kind of soaking that up so that we can use those same verbal skills with the next patient. But if you can sit down and start going through cases with the doctor and just talking about situations where he or she would be diagnosing the crown versus uh, a resin or a new filling in an area of the mouth, I think that's going to really help improve and speed up that alignment that we're talking And, you know, you would talk about, so we've talked about that, you know, we need the time to to really build that trust and to, the time to educate, the time to take the photographs, and we need to be taking photographs and we need to be intentionally doing that. Um, you do find, oh, you know, across the board, across the country, um, that the time is there, but those things aren't being done or not being done well. So what do you find are the stumbling blocks and perhaps the areas that might need attention in terms of maybe it's just an awareness of what is the best, what is the flow and, and how do we need to be more intentional in that flow? Or is it time management? What are the, what are the hangups and holdups there? So the biggest thing I think with intraoral photos is the flow. When do I take Am I going to wait till the end of the appointment? And the answer is no to that because we want our doctors to come in at their natural break. So most of our teams are doing all of their diagnostics at the beginning of the appointment so they can inform the doctor when the radiographs are taken, the periodontal charting is complete, that they can come into my room at any time and interrupt me to do the evaluation. So that means that my intraoral photos also needed to be taken at the beginning of the appointment because I want that prior to the doctor um, coming into the room. Right. I have worked with some hygienists that are comfortable with the camera, but they just don't use it. Well, this patient didn't need it. And we strongly suggest, well, we say you need to be using it on every patient every time. And so I have had doctors walk into the room and if there are no photos off, <laughs> no photos up, they will say, I'll be back as soon as you get those photos up and taken. And I mean, that's only going to happen once because I don't want the doctor to leave and not do the evaluation. So right. it comes down to, it's not an option. It has to be a set um, protocol. It's, it's important as the radiographs and they just have to yeah. understand that it has to be done every time. It's, it's, it's just as much a part of the process as anything else. And as soon as we just embrace it as, as a habit and, and, and a step in the process, um, regardless of, of the need, you know, I've had plenty of intraoral photos taken uh, as a patient um, of healthy teeth and putting those up and saying, look how great it worked. Here. Look how well this looks. How good this looks. You're doing such a great job and or whatever the case may be. Um, but I've also had them show me photographs of, of problem areas. And wow, is that really powerful when they pull that up on a screen and um, together the hygienist and the doctor 
um, are explaining to me what's happening and, and um, what I need to do. And so making that, I love that, making that a habit um, is, is so important. And once we accept it as a habit, it's not even, it's not even a question of do we do it or do we not? Just like you said, it's just, it's done. Absolutely. It has to happen every time. And honestly, it doesn't take me longer to take the photo because the picture's worth a thousand words. It literally is going to speed up the acceptance of the patients, especially new patients. They come in and maybe they were referred. So maybe we have a level of trust with the small one, but it's so nice to be able to show them that they don't just have to take our word for it if you will, just being the word, right? We want to right, make sure right. that they can see what's going on in their mouth and they are also appreciating the explanation that comes with that. So it's just such a, an amazing tool, the most impressive tool to a patient in the dental practice. Yes. And, you know, early on when you were talking about some of the most impactful aspects of your development as a young hygienist were the development of, of your verbal skills. And tell me, Becky, from your standpoint, um, there's there are a lot of those critical conversations and communication skills that we want um, team members to be practicing and becoming more comfortable with. Are there some particular conversations or verbal skills that you embrace early on that to this day you see make a difference in building that trust and acceptance um, with patients from the hygienist standpoint? Absolutely. I mean, I think one of the most impactful verbal skills that I learned when it comes to me, I've preheated for the treatment, um, to be comfortable saying to the patient, can we get that scheduled for you today? Do you see any reason why we can't go ahead and schedule this appointment for you? And we know that's asking for commitment, but it opens up so much dialogue that you would never know without asking that question. I'm basically asking the patient for an objection. And some people are uncomfortable with that because if they give you an objection, you're not sure how to respond. And we know that we teach an objection as a gift. If they give me an objection, that means they want to have the treatments being recommended, but they're not quite sure how they're going to do it because of their work schedule. Um, and if that it would be is the objection, if it's money. And so we want to make sure we understand what the objections are before we take them to the clinical or the business team, pardon me, because if we send them up there and they still have clinical questions, then we just slowed down the whole process and um, kind of backed everything up a little bit because now I'm up front explaining treatment. So that's probably right. one of the most impactful things, but also knowing how to talk through those objections and asking the right questions, understanding the patient motivators or goals. That was not something mm -hmm. I ever did until Jameson taught me to do that. And if I know yeah. Mrs. Jones's number one goal is to keep her teeth forever, then Mrs. Jones, we get this fracture taken care of with a crown doctor Jameson has recommended, you should keep this tooth forever. I mean, I can mm -hmm. tie everything I do back to that. And so those are probably the two biggest things. Obviously, they change a little bit with the different objections, but it is so right. helpful to know what questions to ask so that I know what they're thinking. I'm not trying to figure that out myself. 
Yeah, you know that that brings that brings back uh, some memory recall for me, Becky. Uh, Becky, for those of you that aren't engaged with our Grow platform, Grow is Jameson's online learning platform, and Becky is going to be one of the presenters, one of the teachers, the faculty on an, uh, an upcoming pathway on hygiene uh, in the very near future. And Becky, I was here when you were capturing some of that content and teaching some of it for the pathway. And you had said, you know, you were talking about asking for those goals or utilizing the goals that patients have shared and their their objectives and, and expectations and using that in your conversations in the hygiene appointments. And something that you said that I really loved was that you took that a step further. And even if they were long-term patients, um, from time to time, you would check in with them and, you know, it's documented in their record. And you would say, Mrs. Jones, you know, you, you've shared with us that your goals were to keep your teeth for a lifetime. And I certainly have note of that. And I'm always aware of that as we take care of you. Tell me, are there, have your goals changed in any way? Is there anything new about your goals for your mouth, your teeth, and your smile that would be important for me to know? And you shared that in that training. And I thought that's so powerful uh, that that's not a one-time conversation. And just as you said, you know, bringing the conversations back to what they tell you they want in their care. But then I loved how you, you made an intention to revisit that conversation and see if anything had changed. When did you start doing that? And, and what is the power in having that continuous conversation with long-term patients that you've found? Well, I certainly started doing that when I was working in the Jameson practice. And I think that things certainly do change. You, know, you have patients say things like, you know, they want to keep their teeth forever, um, but I'm fine with the way they look, the aesthetics, I'm happy with that. Um, so I, I just want to make sure that they're healthy and I can keep them. But then, you know, you revisit that in three, four or five years and maybe they've got a reunion coming up. Maybe they have someone new in their life. Uh, and there's something now I want to change the aesthetic. And if you don't ask that question, some, some patients aren't as comfortable bringing up those things. And the other thing I see when I go into practices are I find hygienists that are uncomfortable asking questions about aesthetics. You know, how do you feel about your teeth, your mouth, your smile? Using our uh, smile form to to find out if patients' uh, needs are changing over the years. And when that does happen, it opens up many conversations when it comes to options for now, aesthetic treatment. So I think it's so important to stay uh, in touch with your patients. I mean, we build such long-lasting relationships. We've seen the patient, their kids, their kids' kids. And, you know, <laughs> you feel like you're a member of the family. You know, yeah. hopefully you're documenting all the little special things they tell you so that you can make sure and bring those up when they come back, because that goes such a long way when it comes to building a relationship. But certainly things can change. You know, I don't want to do anything aesthetic, just what I have to do to now, you know, this is what I want to do. You know, I want to tell me more about that, Becky. You mentioned that once. Mm -hmm. And if you don't ask those questions and start those conversations, I mean, those appointments go by fairly quickly. And we only get yeah. to be in their space, you know, just a couple times a year. Mm -hmm. And I think the more, more you're having those kinds of intentional, uh, dental, wellness-focused conversations with your patients, they come to expect that, right? And, and that's part of Absolutely. their 
relationship with you. And so um, we certainly don't want to assume on, the, on behalf of a patient. We want them to be continuously engaged in their care with us. So those types of questions um, are not only you fishing for information, it's really you trying to stay connected to where the patients are right now in terms of their relationship to their overall wellness and what they want. Because you're right, Becky, life happens, change happens, age happens. <laughs> and we certainly want to yeah. have opportunities to be involved and be continuously engaged with our patients in their ongoing care. Um, we hear many stories where patients go elsewhere for care um, and they come back to visit their long-term dentist because they didn't even know that, that those elevated types of treatment or cosmetics you know, offerings were even available in that practice. So we certainly want to make sure um, if those are things that the patient is curious about or interested in learning more about, that we are asking the right questions and being readily available to have those conversations, no matter what role we play in the practice. So let's right. talk and a little bit that, was, Yeah, go ahead. No. Go ahead, Becky. I just wanted to piggyback just a little bit on that. I also think that it also elevates our position in the practice. I think I see hygienists maybe they've been practicing longer and they tend to get complacent in those conversations. You know, I've seen this patient for 10 years. I don't have to ask those questions again, but we know they change. We know it elevates, again, our professionalism with that patient, but it also keeps us interested in our job. It keeps that passion going in the job and keeps us from becoming complacent with what we do as well. For sure. I mean, it, you can engage in so many different, almost brainstorm sessions with patients and it allows you to, you know, as we learn more um, in dentistry about the connection of our oral health to everything else, um, there's so many opportunities to be, we truly are on the front lines of a lot of many, many of our patients' overall health and wellness. Um, and that that's a door opener opportunity to educate our patients to that that next level for for their long term care. So I love that. And it's just being so. How do you become? How do you help hygienists become more comfortable with those conversations, Becky? How do you recommend hygienists and other team members um, feel a readiness and a comfort and confidence in engaging in those kinds of conversations? Well, first and foremost, role-playing. And we always laugh about this in consults, but rarely do I leave that we don't role-play something. And so if even if James is not coming into your practice and something new, you know, has happened in science, especially with uh, the entire body, you know, whole body wellness, talk about the changes and talk about how you would want to have that conversation with your patient and then practice that on each other. It makes you more comfortable. You're teaching your team about it as you're doing that. And they're asking questions that your patients are going to ask. And so I think that's what's going to make you most comfortable with having those conversations and knowing how to do it in a short amount of time. Because again, we, we just have a, a small amount of time with the patient and we spend, you know, probably 70% of that appointment educating as we're working. You know, we have to utilize every minute we have with them to make sure that we're giving them the information that they want and need. But role-playing and teaching that in real time with a team member and and handling those questions is really going to make you more comfortable with having that conversation. 
Absolutely. So that circles us back around because um, having team meetings or having meeting departmental meetings or whatever the case may be where you have time to work on these skills. Um, just like Becky had said, having doctors and hygienists meeting together to get on the same page about um, philosophy and how you diagnose and how you treatment plan so that we can be um, really a practice that all the way around full circle um, are speaking the same language, we have the same voice with the patients, and we feel comfortable and confident in engaging in those kinds of conversations using the tools that you have readily available to maximize that patient's experience. So it, it really is, are you taking the time and, and planning proactively and having these kinds of meetings and having this kind of training and in practicing these types of skills so that you get really clear on how you can get from where you are now in terms of those patient conversations or that patient appointment to get to where you want or need to be to help more patients say yes to the treatment they want or need, stay active in your practice, and stay loyal for the long run. Um, and that's really the the role that a high-performing hygienist can truly play is being that front lines advocate for that patient's long-term care. Uh, and, and I just love all of the recommendations you made, Becky, from not only how you help practices today, but how you implemented it yourself when you were practicing um, mm-hmm. prior to your work with Jameson. So um, thank you for being with me and, and for contributing so many great gems of wisdom for our listeners today. So thank you, my friends. Thank you, Karen. And if those of you, if you have not learned more about the GROW platform, I want to invite you to go visit GROW at grow.jmsn.com. Coming later this year will be a hygiene pathway, and you can see the one and only Becky Spear instructing you on some of the foundations of high-performing hygiene. And we look forward to seeing you on that website very soon to learn more and join that community. In the meantime, stay connected with us here at the Jameson Files. Thanks for being with us once again. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Jameson Files. Visit us online at jmsn.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, or Spotify. Do you have questions or topics you'd like for us to answer or cover on the next podcast? Email us at podcast at jmsn.com.